Welcome, everybody. Welcome to this podcast. Escaping the entanglements of our lives. You got yours, and I've got mine. I'm your host. I'm Dolphus Q. I'm the originator and the creator of this podcast. Our lives, yours and mine, are easily entangled with things, both real and imaginary. Some of these entanglements are malignant, and some are benign. And some of these entanglements, these benign entanglements, it is difficult to live without. One of those entanglements is love. It's easy to fall in love. Girl, what do you mean we are through? I only met you a minute ago. (laughs) So love is one of those uh, entanglements that in a sense does make the uh, world go round. Of course, the opposite of the entanglement of love is the entanglement of hate, distrust, suspicion, paranoia, Yes, our minds can easily become entangled in things from which our minds are never free, or so it would seem. But I maintain we can escape our entanglements. We can all do like Buddha and go sit under a yum yum tree. Might be the best manner of manner of setting oneself free is to just go sit. Sit under a tree. It works wonders. I hope you're following this podcast. And if you do, you know my story. I'm reading and writing a book as I detangle one of the major entanglements of my life. Now you can reach me at 
DolphusQ at Yahoo.com, QDolphus at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. Let me know how you are dealing with the entanglements of your life. (laughs) But now, as the walrus said, the time has come. Yes, my friends, the time has come for the reading of the word. Episode 8. Chapter 8, Take Them Out of the Ball Game. The sun had gone down when they reached Poto's quarters. The Buick wasn't parked in its usual spot as they walked past the vacant lot where it had been parked that morning. The floorboards squeaked as they walked across the porch to the screen door. It was latched, but the front door was open. Billie Jean sat at the kitchen table with a full plate of food before her. She put down her fork, got up, and walked towards the door. She wore a pair of cut-off faded blue jeans and a black halter top that revealed her navel and the bare flesh of her midriff. She greeted them with smiles, but mostly her smiles were directed at Jimmy. I see my clothes look good on you, don't they? She laughed, and Jimmy laughed too. Willie James... (coughs) asked about the whereabouts of his mother and Mr. Turner. They drove out to see Uncle George. Billie Jean returned to her plate at the kitchen table and picked up her fork. Say, I thought you ate over at Pops, Willie James said, pausing on the way to his bedroom. I used to until he started charging his help to eat, she said. It's easy to eat up most of your paycheck. That's what happened to Ethel. She saw her paycheck and went berserk. Pop told her she had been eating rib dinners, and those dinners cost $10 a plate. Jimmy wanted to know what was on her plate. She gave him a mouthful, oxtails, mustard greens, black-eyed peas, and cornbread. These oxtails are delicious. See how the meat falls off the bone? She speared a piece of oxtail with the fork and extended it towards Jimmy's lips. Try it if you aren't afraid of catching my germs, are you? Their eyes met like a high noon challenge. Jimmy parted his lips and opened his mouth. Billie Jean looked pleased as he chewed. She noted it was time for her to get ready for work. Jimmy followed Willie James into the bedroom. What I figure, said Willie James, we hang out here 
It's still early. There are two hot spots around here, Pop's Place and Ike's. I suspect it'll be later before they show up over here anyway. Willie James turned his attention to the photograph. Billie Jean knocked at the door to inform them she was leaving and imploring Willie James to bring Jimmy to Pop's place. She hinted at the possibility of a free rib sandwich. Willie James <clears throat> locked the door behind her but left the screen door unlatched. Willie James returned to the phonographs and Jimmy had thoughts about Billie Jean. There was a knock at the door. Willie James, Willie James, you in there? It was Mr. Turner and Betty Roof. George said your car is ready. You can get it any time he's out there. Thank you, Mr. Turner, Willie James said, and then asked slowly, Will you have time tomorrow to drive me out there? Mr. Turner shook his head. By the time I get in from work and drive out there, it'll be too dark in them woods to walk around that junkyard looking for a car. Now Saturday, I have some time, but no time tomorrow. Yeah, you're right, said Willie James. Ain't no telling where Uncle George jacked it up. To fix it at. Willie James returned his attention to the phonograph, looking through record albums like he sought a special tune. Suddenly he turned from the albums like he couldn't find what he wanted to hear. Then he turned his attention to Jimmy. When we see them tonight, how you want to settle the score? Well, I want my money back and the bus ticket too, Jimmy spoke up quickly. Well, with all the spending they have been doing, that's unlikely. So how you want to settle it? You know, even up the score, Jimmy pounded his fist into his palm and grinded in a pulverizing motion. It didn't seem fair. Okay, granted, he had stolen the money from Joe Grimes, but not at gunpoint. Neither had he whacked him over the head nor put his clothes into a toilet stool. He had more right to the money he stole from Joe Grimes than did they have the money to they stole from him, if for no other reason pain and suffering. Well, I'd like to take whatever money's left and humiliate them like they did me. I want payback. You know what I mean? Willie James nodded. Well, dog, here's the deal. Those guys are sneaky as snakes. They know me. They won't appreciate my standing up for you. Neither will they hesitate to retaliate, to sneak up behind me and shoot me in the back.
for standing up for you. Jimmy gave a gasp. A hand flew to his mouth. Jimmy looked very uncomfortable. Are you saying for that reason you can no longer help me? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying there can't be any half steps when we confront them tonight. They got a gun and neither will hesitate to pull the trigger. So exactly what are you saying? Cut my losses and forget it? You either do that, said Willie James, or take them out of the ball game. Jimmy voice lowered to a whisper, his eyes scratched like cartoon zeros. Take them out of the ball game? Willie James pressed his lips together and slowly nodded his head like he was passing judgment. Well, 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 started Jimmy. I don't, I don't know if I want to go that far. Willie James folded his arms across his chest and hunched his shoulders. Well, it's up to you. Neither of them said anything. Jimmy couldn't read Willie James' mind, but within his own mind, he felt fear. He felt creepy. Willie James was talking about a cold-blooded, premeditated killing. If caught, it meant death by legal injection or living the rest of their lives within the confinements of prison walls. Yes, Jimmy wanted vengeance, but he did not want to go that far. While Willie James was Jimmy's only refuge. He felt to deny his solution was to shatter that refuge. Jimmy did not want to do that, yet at the same time, he didn't want the blood of the culprits on his hands. Perhaps it was better to cut his losses and move on. He was on the verge of delivering his decision when they heard a knock at the door. Willie James, it's me, Leon. Willie James unlatched the door. Leon stood in the frame. He wore a stangy-brimmed hat that was cocked to the side of his head and a victorious smile. He scrutted arrogantly into the room as if inspecting its worthiness of his presence. His clothing looked so new you could almost see the price tags. He wore tight black breeches that bulged at the crouch. He wore a tuxedo shirt knotted at the abdomen with the top three buttons undone, exposing a broad, hairy chest and a gold chain with a crucifix around his neck. 
What's up, man? You tell me, said Willie James. You the one pulling all the strings. I just hope I ain't getting burned in the deal. Oh, come on, man. You ain't going to get burnt. The only thing getting burnt is this. Leon took off his hat and from the sweatband extracted a joint which he extended to Willie James. It looked like the joint Josephine had, only it was much fatter. Willie James scratched his eyes like he was suddenly taken by surprise. This is Gainesville Green. Leon lifted his chin and returned the hat to his head as if it was a crown. Damn right it's Gainesville Green. Go on and fire that mother up. Willie James struck a match and took a deep drag on the joint. His eyes shined as the smoke cleared his nostrils. He extended the joint to Leon. He told Leon about going to the pool room and not seeing Cheater and Slick Boy waiting on him. Leon laughed that he had caught a ride over there, that Willie James had moved too slow. Then he took a deep drag on the joint, and with the smoke clearing his mouth, he said, Don't be so suspicious. Everything is cool. Trust me, you're going to get your bill off the top. Don't you ever seen anybody like that, suspicious of their own brother? Jimmy shook his head as he accepted the joint. He recalled the coughing fit he had experienced at the kitchen table over at Josephine's apartment. He drew lightly for an instance, like someone sticking a toe in the water and quickly blew out a thin whiffs of smoke. When he didn't cough, he took another light drag and passed the joint back to Leon. Leon smiled and stuffed out what remained of the smoldering joint between his thumb and forefinger. I can use this for Cheetah and Slick Boy. How you like that, dog? Jimmy couldn't reply. His eyes shined and his lips was froze into a Mona Lisa type of smile. In acknowledgement, he gently rocked his head back and forth. But Willie James shot his eyes at Lee Hunt. Cheetah and Slick Boy. When are you hooking up with them? Later on the night, Leon said, we're going to meet at Ike's. They're probably over there right now waiting for me. Willie James stroked his chin. Mmm, you mind if me and Dalt tag along? No, I don't mind, <laughs> Leon laughed. But I don't think your partner can make it. He looks stoned to me. Dalt, are you okay? Jimmy could not reply. In fact, Jimmy could not move. All he could physically do was sit like a stone statue with a smile froze on his face. But his mind was troubled with paranoid thoughts of being unable to move. 
He wanted to speak, but his lips were frozen into a meaningless smile. One more thing, Leon continued. Friday, I'm going to need a ride. Is your car running yet? I'll break you off another bill. Mr. Turner told me Uncle George said it was. So I can get it tomorrow. Willie James assured him that Friday he would have the car. Leon called Friday the big payday. He seemed invigorated and ready to roll. He didn't want to miss Cheetah and Slick Boy by moving too slow. Willie James was ready too, but Jimmy was too stoned to roll. Willie James smiled and commented about that second drag to Leon, who commented as proof that he had genuine Gainesville dream. Though, you just lay low at the crib until I get back, Willie James said as he walked out of the door, out of the room behind Leon. And with that, we come to the end of our episode for <laughs> today, this Thursday. And we look forward to people all around the world joining us next Thursday for Escaping the Entanglements of Our Lives. So long, everybody. <laughs>